Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I'm John Patrick, the Master Control Program, here on a Friday morning in the uh, recording studio all by myself. We're going to do a, something a little different this week. Because it's summer and because everybody's schedules are getting a little full, Rodin and I couldn't sit down to record and I didn't have anybody else lined up, so... We're going to take this opportunity to reach back into the vaults of mm, about the last year and pull out some of the rants you missed, or just other audio that we clipped out because it didn't make it uh, into the episode. So I'm sitting here, I'm drinking a Shorts Brewery Mule Beer, ale brewed with lime and ginger, best served in copper, but I'm just drinking it out of a, a pint glass. Brewed and canned by Shorts Brewery in Elk Rapids, Michigan. So, local beer. We've had this on before, um, but it's good beer. It's supposed to emulate the taste of a Moscow mule, and you do get that ginger, you do get that, uh, you do get that lime, but it's a wheat beer, so it's a little peppery on the back end, too. I figure on a uh, Friday, right around noon, we're day drinking, this was a good beer to choose. So the first clip we're going to listen to was actually cut out of last week's issue. Uh, it mainly didn't make the cut just because we were trying to keep it in the constraints of an hour episode. But this is Ro and I talking about the release of the Eternals trailer. So give it a listen, and we'll be back after. <laughs> But now we've got to talk about the Eternals because yeah, we, the Eternals. We both watched the. Have oh, you watched the trailer? I have watched the trailer. So um, so here's the thing. Like, I give it two ONDs out of ten. Maybe it looks like a DC movie. It really does. I'm sorry, DC fans. Again, we love the DC comic books. We want to have good DC movies, but the Eternals just looks like. Again, it's a team. The Eternals were a team, much like we're going to see happen with the te- the movie. The Eternals were the team that always showed up after all the significant stuff happened. Mm-hmm. You know, which is bullshit because they're eternal. They don't die. They can't die. They die, they'll come back. This should well, be the guys that are out there doing all the heavy lifting and stuff. And they just kind of show up. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here. Yeah. And everybody's like, thanks, bye. You know? So, so the Eternals are basically like all the heroes of myth. Uh, Hercules, uh, Achilles, all all the the mythological heroes are the Eternals, mm-hmm. um, which never really felt like it made sense in the comics. Like, why is it Her- was a dumb comic? Yeah, um, and this whole movie just felt like another excuse to have Angelina Jolie in a weird fucking dress for a whole movie doing weird shit. And it's like, what do we see of Angelina Jolie in the trailer? She's in a weird fucking dress doing weird. Cool sword. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh my God. Like, it just. Like, even the fact that Kit Harrington's in it. And I love Kit Harrington. And uh, Kamal Nanjiani's in it. And I love Kamal Nanjiani. And it's just like, ugh. Plus, the trailer doesn't tell. It doesn't tell us anything. It just shows them doing a couple of things. There's a scene in there. Well, now that Steve Rogers and Iron Man are dead, who's going to lead the Avengers? <laughs> and everybody's, and it's like, why? You know, it's like, what is well, what because, is this movie? Why? Because I believe one of those guys is Hercules, and at some point, Hercules led the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, but again, that was a period of time in the Avengers where nobody, not a lot of people really read that 
that was going into the weird age of comic. That was leading into the tinfoil age of comic books that we talked about earlier. Um, like that Avengers team, like because you had the West Coast Avengers going on at the time. And- well, and that's the thing is these Marvel shows more than anything else are building up the West Coast Avengers. There's a lot of things that's going on with these Marvel because, shows. Because you've got uh, the Young Avengers being formed behind the scenes. You've mm-hmm. got um, because um, you got Moon Knight coming apparently. Scar- Scarlet Witch and White Vision are in the um, West Coast Avengers. Uh, Rhodey as War Machine is yeah. in the West Coast Avengers. Yeah. Uh, Hawkeye was the leader of the West Coast Avengers. Yeah, for but a while. Hawkeye after his show is done is going to be the end of that. That's going to be him handing the baton on to the younger Hawkeye. Which oh, is going to make me sad because I love Jeremy Rayner. I did too, and I was so glad that he finally. I'm, this is this is what's leading me back to what we were talking about before, where all of these side characters are finally getting their moments of glory, and it's being done very well. Like Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye character, it's going to be a great show. I didn't think that Falcon and Winter Soldier was bad. It gave those characters they, they were they were it was a good show. Yeah, you know, it's giving all these side characters who really didn't have their moments to shine in the in the movies more than enough spotlight on them to fully but, flesh these characters out. But Bucky. I have to I have to say. In ten plus years of Marvel Movies cinema, and media, yeah, yeah Mar- Mar- Marvel media—that—that's the word I'm looking for. The Eternals is the first time I saw a trailer and was like, just Man. really underwhelmed. Yes, yeah, like I had no interest in seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. That's where I was going to go when next. I heard they were going to do Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like why? Then I saw the trailer and I'm like, okay, this looks cool. Yeah. I should go see this. And I saw the movie and I was blown away. Yeah. Yeah, this that's the looked... only thing that's keeping me kind of tethered to the Eternals a little bit. It's like, you, well, you know, maybe what... they can do this. Oh, my God. You, do you know what the Eternals trailer was? A minute and a half of every character at one point or another brooding into the camera. Literally. Fuck, you're I'll... right again. I hate it when you have these moments of absolute on point. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> looking stoically and brooding into the camera. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like they, there's like even Shang Chi. Like when I saw the Shang Chi trailer, I'm like, oh, okay. I am actually more interested in this yeah. now that I have seen the trailer. Yeah. I'm still not super stoked about it, but I'm more interested in Shang Chi than I am the Eternals. Yeah, the Eternals looks like it needed to be a Marvel, um, a Disney Plus show. Well, and the that thing, needed to be the has fun- a story told over a longer period of time or something. When the Shang Chi trailer dropped, it was first Marvel did that. Um, I think it was a shareholder event where they did the phase four release and they showed this sizzle reel where it talked about what was coming in phase four. And that's when we got the release dates for um, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the Wakanda movie, the um, uh, Thor Love and Thunder. And then at the very end, they did the phase four, which was very clearly the Fantastic Four logo. Mm-hmm. Um but they did that sizzle reel, and it's like, you know, the Eternals is supposed to drop before Shang-Chi, and we have a trailer for Shang-Chi, and we have nothing for the Eternals. I thought that, too. That was very strange. And the Eternals was supposed to drop during COVID. It was already supposed to have been out by now. Yeah. And then, like, two weeks after they released the, no, it would be closer to a month after they dropped the Shang-Chi trailer, now we get the Eternals trailer, and it's... Meh? Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, here's the thing. Marvel Disney is very good at course correcting. and Everybody drink. M- Rojan said course correcting. Why? Because I say that a lot? Is you that... say that 
almost every episode. Well, almost every episode we have this. I will you know be what conscious. Marvel's really good of course well, they correcting. Are. Well, they, they are though. But anyways, Disney itself has done that. So as I've said this before, you had the Iron Man three movie less than stellar. They made it go away. We we we, we yes. This, we, so I'm really curious. All this like, ground. We know we know when the Eternals drops. If it's not very good. What are they going to do to make that go away and disappear? You know, how I'm more curious as to how they're going to fix the disaster than seeing the disaster. I will see the disaster to go, okay, this was bad. Let's see how you fix this. Uh, uh, What's going to happen is Kit Harrington's going to look at the camera. He's going to open his mouth to say something. The picture is going to freeze. A voice that sounds like his, but not exactly, is going to say, I have to return to my home planet. He's going to move slowly up, and we're never going to speak of it again. You know what? Kit Harrington and the Black Knight are probably the only thing in the Eternals that I am looking forward to. And that's it. And even even the comic book, the Black Knight wasn't that great of a character. Remember, he rode around on a, on a flying mechanical like horse or something, and he looked dumb in the comic. Hopefully, he doesn't look the same as he did in the comic. He literally looked like a Black Knight in the oh comic. Oh my god! And, and, it looked and, really weird. Yeah, and but the character and himself cha- was decent. And I was gonna say he they changed his origin around. Uh, he was on the. Uh... Not the the teen no not the Teen Titans the New Warriors he was on the yeah. New Warrior like he got depowered down to a street level hero for a while mm-hmm. and and well to be fair when Spider they re- Man was a street level well hero and, too. yeah but when they rebooted the New Warriors and that they were some kind of like superhero wannabe TV show um they were actually responsible for the massacre that started the Civil War yes. Exactly. Um, and I believe that all but one of them were killed. Mm-hmm. So what I'm curious, the, the only thing that has me tethered to this in a curiosity factor, because I'm going to go see it now. My wife, I, I don't, I don't want to see it, I'm but I'm go going s- to go see it. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to go see it now because I want to see the train wreck. Yeah, I want to see the train wreck. And, and you know, we could both be completely eating crow in six months when this movie comes out. And I'll be fine with that. And and we'll be on here to we go back to Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, Guardians of the Galaxy? Really? Like, my memories of Guardians of the Galaxy were like old Yondu with the, Yondu with the big fin and the space bow. And I'm like, fucking Guardians of the Galaxy? Really? Why oh would you pick God. that series? Of all the teams you could have done. So... And that turned out really well. So I'm thinking I don't want to I don't want to poo poo them too much because there may be need, something good here. I need to go back and rewatch Guardians too. I haven't watched that in a while, and it, it, it was it was so good. Well, the Look. reason it wasn't a superhero. That's one of the things that again Marvel does well is when you go see these movies, you're not just seeing a superhero movie, Captain America, so a war movie, you know, um, yeah. Ant Man, thief movie. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, space opera, Star Wars esque. You know, it wasn't. It, it it was. It worked because these were aliens and stuff. That's how they got their powers and stuff. They weren't like superheroes, and like, it just like, worked. I remember. Oh my god, like I remember being almost in tears at the end of Guardians two when they do Yandu's funeral. Yeah, like just yeah, like the the gravitas of the scene and then the Jim Croce music playing over it. Like, oh my God, that that was heart wrenching cinema. I I hope that Eternals does that, but neither me nor you, and I think a lot of people are expecting that because 
I gotta wonder what's going on in the DC, uh, not the DC, the Marvel Disney offices right now when the trailer drops. And they do pay attention to what people say out there. They're they're watching the chat rooms. They're watching all this stuff. And I gotta wonder what they're saying when they when they see people putting these comments down, going like, "Really? What the hell is this? You know, this looks so like it's." So I look world. at it as the Eternals is a good point to start foreshadowing mutants because you have. The idea of the Immortals is it's going to be this movie that is going to take place over basically all of human history because it's going to show them from the earliest days of civilization into the modern day. And that is a good point where you can start looking at, okay, we can start threading in mutants, that there are these these aberrants that have been around forever and they've just been in the shadows and they've been hiding and... I don't think it will be because I, I, I think Marvel's. I think Kevin Feige is trying to figure out how to add in the mutants, and I think everybody's just like got this idea of what the hell are we gonna do? What the hell are we gonna do? It's got to be great because otherwise, no matter what, people are gonna be pissed. So we've got to make it people the least pissed that they can be. There's lots of avenues they can take. They've got the multiverse coming into effect. You've got the people that have been snapped back into existence, which could alter things. You've got timelines that are possibly being messed up. There's all kinds of ways that they can do it. The problem I see on the grander scale is you already tried. they already tried to do this with the Inhumans, and that failed miserably bad. And now you don't ever hear reference to the Inhumans. Which the Inhumans were essentially their answer to mutants. It was like, well, you were born with this gene, and if you put into the well, it was, it was at the time they didn't have mutants, and Mm -hmm. they wanted a way that they could work mutant characters in. So, like in Agents of Shield, the one character Daisy, uh, what's her name? Quake. Yeah, who was Quake? Yeah, Quake was a mutant. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe uh, Mockingbird was a mutant. No, Mockingbird never had any powers. She was like, she was like a, a a Black Widow kind of character. I thought she had powers. No, she all she had was she was really good at combat. She was pretty like she was she was Black Widow except for she had the two stab things mm-hmm. because she was married to Hawkeye in the comic books and they were the leaders of the West Coast Avengers. Yeah. So when they brought her on to Agents of Shield, I'm like, what's going on here? This is okay. But that's we're... okay because Agents of Shield is no longer canon, so it doesn't exist. I think they're gonna retcon that a little bit. Yeah, they already did. That's yeah. why it's no longer exists. It's because, sword now. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, again, this is a situation where, well, that didn't work. We need to make this go away. You didn't. This never happened. You didn't see this. Just make you forget about this. Look over here. There's a shiny little. There's a shiny new thing over here. Pay attention to that. Look, look, so, Captain America shield. We got the Captain America shield. So what I think they're going to do is the Avengers are going to take a back seat, and you're going to see the the Fantastic Four appears to be the next super team. That that's going to be the anchor for the Marvel. Yeah, universe. and and that I see that as a plot point of that. Okay, the Avengers are gone. We need something now to fill and in the, the gap. Yeah, yeah, and this is where Reed Richards is going to come in and be like, okay, we're going to do this. Like I'm this super smart guy, and I've discovered the Phantom Zone or whatever the hell it is, the dimension where they go and they get their powers. That's actually going to be the quantum realm where they shrink yeah. down really slow because they've already hinted in the background. There's a scene where you can see a little city, you know, all that stuff is already there in the quantum realm. They're not going to use the uh, what are the shadow zone, the or negative zone, yeah, the I negative think. zone. That's how they're going to, which is fine. That's a good. That's a good. It's already established. It's there. We know it's there. Yeah. We know that world's there. That that'll work. Um, 
but I really, I think more than anything, the Fanta like the Fantastic Four, I was never a Fantastic Four fan in the comic book. It was kind of a meh comic book for me. Yeah, and me neither. And I never really cared about it. They were just kind of like, like of every hokey team. I was going to say, of everybody in the Fantastic Four, the only compelling, the only compelling character is the thing. That's exactly right. Yes. The thing was the thing was the thing that was it, you know, and he was kind of like the cool version of the Hulk, you know, it right. was, he was their Hulk. So because the Fantastic Four was like, here's our brain guy. Here's our muscle guy. Here's the blaster guy. And then you had, you know, the invisible woman kind Here, of whatever. Here's the token female. Yeah. You know, and it was like it, it went like the flying car with the four. on. I was like, all right, whatever. But sure. I, I, I see your place in the universe, but. They weren't like a big, they were like, they were more like Alpha Flight or something. They were a side team. So, and that's where the, the Fantastic Four, the movie problem with the Fantastic Four, they just weren't a compelling team. So I'm curious to see what Marvel is going to do with them to make them work. Again, Guardians of the Galaxy, they did it there. Let's see if they can do it with this. Yeah. Um, but I think most people really want to see the X-Men. They really want to see what's going to happen. And Marvel, I think, is really taking their time because that's going to be their next Avengers kind of Right. You know, story. So, I don't know. Uh, again, we'll see. But the Eternals, we can both agree, looks like shit. <laughs> it just it, does it not really, look good. Really does. Like so. Shang Chi, I'm not thrilled about it. But I, I would go see Shang Chi over the Eternals. The Eternals coming out, it's kind of like uh, that's going to be one of the movies where I look at my wife and I'm like, I'm not sure. Like Black Panther, yeah, I'll, I'll go y see Black Panther. You know, you know what? Know. You know what I thought of after seeing the Shang Chi trailer? You know what it reminded me of? Hmm. rush hour yes it did it did like like all i'm seeing is like oh my god all you really need is chris tucker and this yeah. guy's jackie chan and you got rush hour yeah and and god i love the first rush hour i'll, I'll go i'll see it yeah i'll, I'll be open-minded about it i don't know about the eternals man I, I think me and you're gonna walk into the eternals fully expecting a shit show yeah. fully expecting it and we're just gonna we're... sit back to get our popcorn i'm like all right here we go let's watch how this goes down and hopefully we're wrong. I really hope that we're sitting here a few months from now or however long from now going, you know what? That wasn't that bad. I really do. I don't, I don't, all, I don't, all right, I don't... everybody, mark your calendars. Yep. This is the point. In six months or so when, when it comes out, either we were right or we'll be eating crow. But I'll be fine. I want to eat. I, I, I don't want to see bad movies, especially from Marvel. You know, I don't want to go into these movies. I, I don't want to see a bad movie from them. Yeah, nobody, nobody does. Like but... DC, you just kind of expect a DC movie to be what a DC movie is or a Warner Brothers DC movie. Marvel, Disney, you kind of walk in there expecting to get your ass kicked, you know? And when you see this, you're like, wow, really? Like, this this is the best trailer? There, what is the plot of this movie? What are these? How, how do you explain these characters People are People brooding at the camera. That's what... Yeah, I, I don't... Uh... We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I hope it's good. Because um, we already know Spider-Man's going to be good. We know Doctor Strange is going to be good. It's just like, all right, you know. Anyways. Welcome back to the edit suite. I hope you enjoyed that clip of us from last week's issue, uh, talking about the Eternals. Up next, we're going to set the Wayback Machine to the very first issue of Old Nerds Drinking, when we were talking about my crazy Muppet fever dream and, and our very first Star Wars rant. This one was a very short little clip I pulled out entitled, John and Roe Get Dick Hard About Technology. So, enjoy. I don't need a soundboard. I am an endless supply of movie quotes. Oh, we've got the drops coming. Don't worry. Oh, so many drops. <laughs> so many drops. We're still working on the technology. Yeah, right now, 
are we're really we're in our base setup right now. We've got um we've got the two microphones, the mixer, uh, the recording program, and then we've got the computers set up to run into the mixing board that are going to do our drops and are going to handle all of our um, articles and stuff like that. But we really are just this is literally the first time that we're doing this. Yeah. So right so. now we've got four computers running total, um, and. Unlike Ro, uh, we've oh, yeah, got. That's right. you yeah. Have, yeah, you got a tablet too. Yeah, I got my tablet. Yeah, that will right. be my soundboard. Yeah. Um, and unlike Ro, we've got an actual backup recording. So. Oh fuck you! Actually, I do run two recording programs now, and one of them consistently crashes on Project Archivist all the damn time. It's funny because when I have guests on the show that co-host with me, most of them are podcasters, and I'll be like, "All right, before we get we going here, can can you press record on your end just to make sure everything's okay?" Which is really good because if it wasn't for my buddy Gary doing that, we would have lost. At least two shows now. I think it's two shows. So, and you've got the recording program, and then you've got a supplemental side off the side. I have an honest to God separate digital recorder that is just recording. My microphone does not, it sounds weird. I'm not sure what the deal is. Like, you sound a lot clearer to me than I do. Our next clip is from issue number two. This is Halloween, still our most downloaded issue ever of Old Nerds Drinking. In this clip, Rojan relates a story from an article about the woman who gave away arsenic and dog food on Halloween, which is the basis for some of the urban legends about people giving away drugs and poison on Halloween. So enjoy. So this is from uh, mentalfloss.com, and this is when a Long Island housewife handed out arsenic to kids on Halloween. Now, I have not pre-read this, much like I do on Project Archivist. I very seldom pre-read my articles. I just kind of throw them out there. So this is on October 31st, 1964. 13-year-old Elsie Drucker and her 15-year-old sister Irene returned to their Long Island home after an evening of trick-or-treating and dumped their spoils onto the table. Um, this is the way. Among the assortment of bite-sized sweets are two items that looked like this bottle, is the way. Yes, bottle caps and bore the warning, poison keep away from children and animals. The bottle cap candies, do you remember those? Oh, yeah, dude, I like love those. Like the soda pop ones? Love them. But only, only like the root beer and the grape ones. Really? Yeah. Like, the cola ones had a really strange flavor, but they still weren't bad. Yeah, so, anyways, it wasn't ill-conceived. Halloween-themed marketing ploy. The tablets were anti-buttons, which contained arsenic and could help rid a house of insects and other pests. They could also seriously threaten the life of small children who accidentally swallowed one. Yes, arsenic is bad. Arsenic will fuck you up and kill you. Drugs will, are bad, okay? It will yeet you to the afterlife. Alarmed, the girl's father did called you, the police. Did, did you just say yeet? Yes, they will yeet you to the afterlife. Oh, my God. Yes, that is a common term that I use. Yeah, I used that a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about this army. We're going to go sidetrack completely from hell here. On my show, we had brought up an article. Apparently, back in Australia, there was this giant army of emus. The emu population. Oh, I, I remember listening to this episode. Yes, yes. And I use it, and I'm like, these are either death turkeys that will eat you to the afterlife. Is the first time that I use that. And I'm not wrong. They are death turkeys, and they will eat you to the afterlife. Anyhow, a criminally bad joke. The authorities notified the community, and the people immediately began spreading the, spreading the word and inspecting their own candy bags, unearthing another 19 ant buttons around town. Meanwhile, Elsa and uh, Elise, Elsie? Elsie and Irene, English motherfucker, do you speak it, helped the police trace the toxic treats to 43 Salem Ridge Drive. Where a 40- Salem Ridge, yes. Dun, dun, dun. Where a 47-year-old housewife named... Helen F- P-F-E-I-L. Feel? Helen Feel. Helen Feel lived with her husband and children. This is an old woman who lived in a shoe. Uh, one other trick-or-treat. One 
Once other trick-or-treaters confirmed that Theo had indeed doled out the poison and the police discovered empty boxes of ant buttons in her kitchen, she was arrested. Fortunately, none of her would-be victims ingested the hazardous material, which meant that uh, Theo uh, was arrested for blah, 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 ingesting his blah, which meant the Theo was uh, charged. And uh, the screen just locked up on me, ladies and gentlemen. This is what happens when you use old shitty computers. Which meant that Phil was charged with child endangerment. If convicted, however, she could still face prison time. After her arraignment on November 2nd, Phil tried to explain to the baffled courtroom that she didn't mean it. Da 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 da. Maliciously, after having spent most of Halloween bestowing actual candy on costume kids, Phil had started to feel like some of them shouldn't, <laughs> should have already aged out of the activity. She was giving the older kids arsenic. Because she felt that they were too old to go trick-or-treating. Arsenic and old lace. She was giving them little anti-ant buttons, these little anti-ant traps that had arsenic in it. And she was giving them to the kids because she felt that they were too old to go trick-or-treating. Ain't that some shit? Uh, aren't you a little old to be trick-or-treating, she had asked the drug, uh, the druckers, according to the New York Post. So Phil had assembled unsavory packages of ant buttons, dog biscuits, and steel wool and dropped those into the bags of anyone she deemed a little old to be trick-or-treating. She maintained that it was a joke. Yes, here, eat this. It's arsenic. Eat this. It's a joke. It'll kill you. It's I have spoken. And her husband, Elmer... Retaliated her, uh, okay, reiterated, I'm sorry, reiterated her claim, reading folks, I can do it, her claim to reports at the, uh, the courthouse, while has, she had been terribly thoughtless, and she had, oh, she may have used awful bad judgment, you think? <laughs> Ooh, that clipped. Yes, it did. Um, she hadn't planned to cause harm. When you give somebody arsenic, you kind of have to plan that it might cause harm. Elmore himself wasn't on, in on the scheme at the time. He had been out trick-or-treating with their two sons, which he probably got some arsenic from somebody else because he was too old to be trick-or-treating, who ironically were both teenagers. So the woman's kids were teenagers who probably in her mind should not have been out trick-or-treating. So she's giving old kids steel wool, arsenic, and other dog, sh like dog treats and shit like that. Uh, her spouse may have been very sympathetic, but Judge Victor Orgara, or Orgara, I can't want to say Organa, but that's definitely not Princess Leia, was not. It's hard for me to understand how any woman with a sense of reason could give this to a child, he said, and ordered her to spend 60 days in a psychiatric hospital. Oh, God. So, yeah, that's the story of how an old woman was giving out arsenic, dog food, dog biscuits, and steel wool to kids that she felt were too old to be trick-or-treating. Yet still... No drugs. No drugs. I remember when marijuana went legal in Michigan a couple of years yeah. ago. N PSA, folks. Nobody's giving your kids edibles. Nobody. They're too expensive. That stuff is too expensive, and they are enjoying them. Nobody's giving your kids edibles. But then, then come think about it. Um, in my adult life, despite what years of uh, Nancy Reagan's D.A.R.E. program had drilled into my brain... I have yet to be offered free drugs once. I can fix that. I, <laughs> I offer you marijuana edibles all the time when you're at my house. Full disclosure, I imbibe in marijuana edibles. It is legal in Michigan. It does help me with my arthritis pain. And I have become very fucked up in your presence many times. Yes, you have. <laughs> I have indeed offered you edibles, but you, 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 you decline them for various reasons, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with when somebody offers you a marijuana edible and you say, no, it's uh, no thank you, but I appreciate it because you've always been very kind about it. And you've also been very thoughtful about it. Here's another quick clip. This one was from. 
Here's another quick clip. This was from issue number four, our repeal day special. I had to step away from the microphone to check on an issue, and Rojan decided to have a conversation with himself. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm all right. Yeah. How you been? Uh, you know, same old shit. How's your stomach doing? It's pretty rough. I ate a lot last night. Oh, so did I. Yeah. How's yours doing? It's pretty rough. Heartburn? Yeah, acid reflux the whole shot. You been pooping a lot? Oh my God, have I been pooping. I've been pooping so much. You have no idea. Candy yams, right? Yeah, candy yams, because there's a lot of starch in that. Right, I know, right? And then you've got the pineapple in it, right, and it just goes right through you. But it's not like a diarrhea go through, it's just like a heavy go through you. So, like, you take a crap and you look at the toilet, and it's like, wow, that definitely is what's left over from the candy yams, because cams, like, yams are kind of like a fibrous tuber or vegetable. Yeah, they are, right? So they kind of look the same when they come out as they did when they went in. I know, right? It's a trip. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. So I think John's back. All right, we should probably shut up now. All right. Give it up for Rojan, everybody. Uh, our next clip comes from issue number nine, Reddit versus Wall Street. Uh, this was a side conversation we had uh, that went off on the Dresden Files uh, with a bonus co- or bonus appearance by Sammy Pern into the microphone. Since we have a, a little bit of time, well, go ahead and finish what you're going to say for edit purposes. Oh, that, that, that was the end of that, so. Okay. I want to derail the show slightly because we're getting towards the end of the stuff that you have on the notes here. And we've got a little bit of time to play with, I think. And if hopefully you'll leave this into the show, um, since you bring up the Dresden files TV series, um, I'm not going to go huge on a rant of Dresden files, but I'm very curious, like overall, it wasn't very long lived. What did you think of the Dresden files TV series? Okay. So the problem with it was, yeah, you just purr into the microphone cat. Um, they tried to do it. There were a lot of problems with it. Um, it needed a bigger budget. It needed more focus. Um, they tried to do s- books as a one hour episodes e- episode yeah. and it just did not work. Yeah. Um, so the original, originally there was a two hour pilot that was the first episode um, that was supposed to be the book Stormfront, and they never showed it as a two-hour pilot. They cut it down to an hour and then randomly inserted it as one of the episodes in the show. So if you, if you watch the episode Stormfront, it's the sets look different. He's driving a different car um, because it was shot first as a pilot before they had greenlit it as a series. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it would have been better served done as a series like Perry Mason, where you would have two hour episodes and do one every season or like, so, or um, like, like they did the Sherlock show on the BBC where it yeah. was four episodes, but each episode was essentially a two hour movie. And that was a yeah. season. And then there's a two-year gap. And then there's another season that's maybe three episodes. I really think it would have been better suited something like that. Um, so my thought, I, 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 I respect that they tried to do it, but I wish they hadn't. I wish they would have held out. The thing was, was when Dresden Files, the TV series, was released – Again, that you, they did. They went about everything wrong. They tried to condense too much down. They hacked the characters up too much. I didn't mind the guy who played Harry's Dresden, even though he had a hockey stick, which kind of was weird in a bathrobe or whatever. Um, they tried to make him too much of an everyman. I could live with that. 
What I would love to see, and I don't think it's ever going to happen, would be that it needs the Netflix kind of treatment. It needs, you know, it needs to be on a streaming service. They'll, like they'll do a Game of Thrones kind of thing with it, where they'll take a book and make it into a whole bunch of episodes. They don't have to worry about censorship. They can do the R rating stuff. Like you can't oh, do the bookstorm. Maybe they should do it like they did the Expanse, where every season is one book. I've never watched the Expanse, but um... I know. But I just love bringing it up. <laughs> but I, I think if they were to redo it nowadays, especially now, there's this mad grab to get these intellectual properties that are popular to be able to do something with them, which makes me wonder if nobody, because nobody's done it yet. I can't believe that nobody's come along and actually picked up the Dresden files yet to do something like that with the closest we've got to it was, was the tick when they tried to do the reboot of the tick on Amazon. And it really just was not as good as the original tick at all. I think it made it two seasons and that was it. Well, and because it was lack, it was lacking what made the original uh, TV series amazing, which was Patrick Warburton. Well, that and the writing was the writing in the original series was was more along the lines of what the comic book was, because the comic book was really funny. But the funny thing is, is when they tried to reboot it on Amazon, that guy had more control of it than in the original show. And the second version of the tick was less like the comic book than the original show was that was more like the comic book that he didn't have in charge with. But anyways, Dresden. If they were to do it like on a Netflix or one of those streaming services and actually put the budget into it and take it and treat it respectable, I know they're going to have to change a few things out, but like you can't do the book Stormfront on Sci-Fi Channel PG. The, the, the Stormfront was about sex magic, you know, like what mm-hmm. the, this first investigation is somebody was these people were blown up in a bed having sex. And it's like, how are they going to, you know, you just can't do that. Then you've got the other book, which is pretty much like a bunch of uh, succubuses doing porn. You know, the you could do these shows and you can do them very well and change, only have to change a little bit, but you can make each season a book mm-hmm. for the most part. Now, granted, uh, as Dresden went along, he has the Harry Potter syndrome where the longer the books go, the lo- the bigger the books become. The later in the series, the books, the, the, the bigger the books expand onto which is what you had happen with Harry Potter as the Harry Potter series went, like the books became longer and longer and longer and bigger and bigger and bigger until you got part one and part two, which is, we just had happen with the Dresden files, but I would love to see. So there really were, good... there was talk uh, about two years ago of one of the streaming services, picking up Dresden files and doing something with it. Yeah. Um, now that would have been, I want to say 2018, which as productions go would have meant if it was still moving forward, they would have been starting pre-production 2020, which means it probably is in development hell right now. Um, Oh, especially with COVID. Yeah. yeah, I wonder how much shit has been locked up because of all this COVID stuff. Right. So it's definitely, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, Dresden files is a, New York Times bestselling series. It's it sells really well. Um, there, I would not be surprised if something else happens with it. It's just a question of, I mean, when, if, and when, because so many stuff gets so much stuff gets optioned, but it is very rare that things ever get all the way and that to production. Because good stuff just gets held up in limbo, and you never mm-hmm. hear about it. Oh yeah, yeah. 
You know, like we're and, still, we talked then, about it before. We're still waiting on Cowboy Bebop, any kind of information on Cowboy Bebop live action. We're just you, waiting. If you have any information about when Cowboy Bebop is actually coming to Netflix, email us at oldnerdsdrinking at gmail.com. And now for something completely different. Here are 10 minutes of Rojan and John reminiscing about old memes from issue number 10, All Your Bases Are Belong to Us. I remember that one. I remember uh, I'm in er base killing er dudes. Yeah, I always pronounced it as your. You are yeah. I'm in your base killing your dudes, which in turn got made into a whole bunch of other things. I made a picture. I was. It was like I. Uh, I was like UFOs, and then I put in it. I'm in your. I am. I am in your picture being fuzzy, and it was just like a little fuzzy orb in the picture. And then I did it for like big, like I took, I took all the ter- like the paranormal tropes and I did the same with it. I did like the fuzzy Bigfoot walking in the distance picture in your picture being fuzzy or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It has cheeseburger, which you brought up already. Um, what's another? What were the other some of the other classic memes that were out oh, there? There, there was the, there was the walrus with uh, the bucket, my bucket. Oh, man. Um, there was the. Uh, well, he still makes videos. So the, the guy that did like the the weevils the the weevils video or something like that. The guy that did the look at my horse song. Oh you know my god, about. my horse is amazing. Yeah, like look at my horse. My horse is amazing. <laughs> my my girlfriend Lisa and I were out somewhere. I think we were at Greenfield Village like a year ago at least. Or this was this had to have been pre-pandemic. <laughs> so and she just started going. Look at my horse. My horse is amazing. And that shit was stuck in my head for a month. Like, mm-hmm. not even exaggerating. I could not get that out of my head for a month. The, uh, there, there was that. The Honey Badger meme was, the, a, was a huge one. The Honey Badger meme. Uh, Candy Mountain Charlie. Yeah. Oh. Troll face was big. The The American Chopper argument where it's got the dad yelling at the son and the son throws the chair. That one is still around. Yeah, that one that one still makes the rounds. But um Yeah. Ermagerd goosebumps. Um Oh god, yeah. The the dog that was much, you know, much happy great. uh, Yeah, Doge. That was he's still around. Um and that came from Strong Bad. That's actually where that was. That was that was actually what I was just about to mention was like Strong Bad and Homestar Runner. Yep. How you type with boxing gloves on. Hello, I am Strong Bad. Today we're going to go to the email. Uh, Scumbag Steve, the guy that's got the hat backwards in the video. Oh, dude, we can't we we can't talk about we can't talk about Homestar Runner and Strong Bad without referencing Trogdor, <laughs> which actually made it into a version of Guitar Hero. That was like one of the super high end songs that you got to play in in that game. Oh, um, that consummate made V's. consummate V's. Oh, dude, that made more into that. Like they made a board game out of it. I own it. It was a Kickstarter game. Do you remember the Trollolo guy? Trollolo. Yeah, the Russian guy. The Trollolo. Oh yeah. I played that for my daughter. To this day, it was like every Christmas I'll send it to her in some way, shape, or form through Messenger or something, because. When I was, when she was a kid, when I was a kid, when she was a kid, when she was like 15 and stuff, and I started like showing her all of this funny stuff on the internet. That's when your kids finally start to reach an age of maturity where you can start to show them some jokes. Oh. Like, 
I, I played Troll Lolo for, and we just laughed our asses off. And after a while, she was like, this is really dumb. And then there was Rebecca Black's Friday. You remember Rebecca oh, Black Friday? Oh, not only do I remember her, um, one of the shows I, up until recently I, that I would still religiously watch on Comedy Central was uh, Tosh.0. Mm-hmm. And um, probably last year, uh, he brought Rebecca Black in because it was like the 15th or 20th anniversary of Friday. Wow. Or 10 wow. years. No, it's got to be 10 years. I, I, we got to look this up. What's funny is that, like, she became popular not because the song was good, but because it was bad. You know, like she went out and spent money and recorded this song. And I felt, you know, a part of me felt bad for her because here's a chick that like was just trying to make it, you know. Okay. So okay. she went out and recorded a song. And, March you know, 14th, 2011 was Rebecca Black's Friday. Uh, wow, oh, no, no. The song, the song originally released as a music video single on YouTube February 10th, 2011. So we literally just passed the 10 year anniversary. <laughs> Of Friday. Of wow. Friday. It's like somebody broke the video down, like the guy's going his hand out the window and it says my hand is a dolphin or something like that. I remember that. I actually need to send that to my daughter because she'll get a kick out of that and she'll laugh. Oh. Um, there was the uh, chocolate rain guy, the, the, like the little black kid with the incredibly super deep voice. Yep. No. Okay. Rain. So if we're going to talk about this, we got to bring up Tron guy. Oh, Tron guy. Tron guy was, he actually was instrumental in getting the sequel made to Tron, I believe, from what I understand. No, uh, no. Um, Tron guy, um, I actually have a, a tangentially attached to Tron guy story. Um, because Tron guy was a, one of the fundamental early members of the Penguicon community. Uh, mm-hmm. Back when it was more focused solely towards Linux. And then he was like one of their regular guests. He was always on the roster. Even if he wasn't a featured guest, he was always attending. And then a couple of years back, he he imploded and went full on Republican about the direction the con was taking and <laughs> ended up getting himself blacklisted from it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh well this this has been ten minutes of us reminiscing about twenty oh, I've got more. twenty I've or got fifteen more. year old internet memes. There was the uh Bill O'Reilly Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly Fuck It We'll Do It Live. You have to have known that oh, one. Fuck it fuck it, we'll do it live. Was that we'll Bill O'Reilly? Fuck it, we'll do it live. No. Um what was another one? There was the uh hold on a minute, it's on the tip of my tongue. I just can't remember exactly what it was. Um. Oh God. The uh, don't tase me, bro. Was another one that was big. Oh, don't Planky. tase me, bro. Planky. Oh my God. Planky. I miss don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me. I should look that up. Oh, you uh, are you are most, and he most certainly got tased, and it oh, was glorious. Yeah. Um. Oh, don't tase me, bro. Uh. Was it John Kerry's 2004 presidential campaign? 
the most memorable carry moment. It happened in 2007. Uh, overzealous police officers attempted to remove a man who interrupted Senator Kerry's speech at the University of Florida. Knowing what would happen next, the pro protester offered one final futile plea. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me. The line has become a response to any unpleasant experience at its close relative. Don't tase me, bro, has become an, an antidote for anxious anticipation the world over. Um, the more cowbell, which still, you know, you can to this day, you can say whenever that song comes on at work, because we listen to classic rock station at work. And whenever that song comes on, there's younger people that are worked up. Like I got a fever and the only cure is more cowbell. And they'll be like, what no, are you talking no, about, no. The, the, the exact quote is I've got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell. Mm -hmm. Um, so let, me let, let it fill the room. Yeah. Um, because yeah, when everybody's like, uh, if I was at Harbor Freight and Tool one time, and they had cowbells there because it's Harbor mm -hmm. it's because it's Harbor Freight and Tool, and you never know what the fuck they're gonna have at Harbor Freight and Tool. Uh, and it was ten dollars, and I spent a good five minutes in the aisle debating with myself if ten dollars for this cowbell was worth being able to put this in my medicine chest with a sticker that said RX for headaches ring cowbell. Man, I would buy that cowbell in a heartbeat and I would take it with me to work. And every time, every time that song comes on, I would pull that cowbell and just bang it and dance around. The joke would get old fast, but that's the beauty of a joke like that. You do it till it's no longer funny anymore. And then you keep doing it because at some point it will become funny again because you're doing it because it's not funny. Like you can take a joke like that and make it evolve to a point where it's like, okay, it's not funny anymore. It's really not funny anymore. Okay, it's not funny anymore. Okay, stop doing it. It's not funny anymore, but you're still doing it. Yeah. yeah. Then um, there was the, um, and I still do this one every once in a while too. There was, the, do you remember way back the cop that pepper sprayed everybody that was at the protest? Oh yeah, that just walked by and like yeah, crop dusted everybody with pepper yeah. spray. Exactly. So for a while, everybody was photoshopping that guy out of pictures and photoshopping into other things. So I had this one where I photoshopped him and he was pepper spraying a chupacabra and it would say Project Archivist keeping you chupacabra free for and it would have whatever the episode number was and it would be crossed out and have another episode number crossed out another episode number. I, I still vaguely I vaguely remember while. seeing that meme on your on your Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I still I still do it every once in a while. I'm about due to do it. I might do it when episode like every now it's every time a milestone episode hits like every so many hundred episodes. So the next big one that I've got coming up is going to be episode 300. I may may revive it for that one. The um the you have died of dysentery meme because we all played that game when we were. I don't know if no, you did, I, I, I did. Miles oh like, god, yeah, yeah. I, I played time. a lot of I played a lot of Oregon Trail in like elementary school and all that. But no, I was just thinking. There was somebody had a me or somebody had a, a meme on Facebook and it was like, you know what really gets my goat? And the answer was chupacabra. <laughs> uh, oh God. Um, Charlie Sheen, hashtag winning, winning, drinking tiger blood. No, doesn't ring a bell to you. Oh no, no, I I remember. Dick butt. That's another big one. The oh, dude. um the Putin riding a bear one. <laughs> Shirtless Putin riding a bear. You don't remember that one either? Yes, I remember these. <laughs> but this has literally been 20 minutes of us reminiscing about memes. I know. I know. Okay, where do you want to take the show then? What's next? Where um, and while we're on issue number 10, here's a quick cat outtake from that episode, courtesy of Sammy. 
So, uh, yeah, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? <laughs> God damn you, cat! <laughs> Do you put these outtakes at the end of the show after the music's over with? Uh, no, but I save them. <clears throat> so, so one day, one day, we're we're just gonna have like a a five minute reel of me going, "God damn it, cat!" <laughs> which, which anybody who knows me, I love my cat, but yeah. God damn, screws up recording a lot and seems to care nothing for it. Of course not. Doesn't understand it. Doesn't other. Doesn't care. Yep. Because cat. Here's a quick little side edit conversation from issue number fourteen, uh, when I interviewed my friend Ian at his game store, Golden Rhino Games, talking about the history of war games. Mm-hmm. Which, oh my God, I have. I've fallen into a deep dive mm. of like studying historical wargaming. Oh yeah, and it is fascinating. Mm. So like the the art of his, the art of wargaming goes mm. back to the 1800s. Yes, when yeah. they would use it as a means for generals mm-hmm. to practice playing war. Right, and they would have topical maps they would have little pegs or things that would mm-hmm. and our hobby evolves from that yeah. the first published rules were a german rule set called kriegspiel oh okay <laughs> and it's the way kriegspiel was played you would have two generals and you would have a referee okay and you as the general would write down your orders. Mm-hmm. You would hand them to the referee, and the referee would interpret the orders. Oh. And then make the moves on the board. So if you don't word it right, the oh. referee was free to misinterpret or... Right. And Oh, my God, I want to play this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, that, and the reason I, I found out about this was mm-hmm. because that relationship of how the game was played essentially evolved into D&D. Mm. The idea of you relaying your action right. and then the dungeon master Pretty interprets selling, yeah. it, rolls the dice to see what it happens, and that's how we got first edition D&D. Oh, that's nuts. Oh, it's crazy. That, I, that is super cool. I've, I've, there's a book I'm reading right now called um, The Elusive Shift, mm-hmm. and it's basically the philosophical history of D&D. So when D&D first came out, it was not a role-playing game. Mm. It was a series of wargaming rules for medieval fantasy. Oh. Then the... That's some irony for you. Yeah. I'll get get to that in a minute, though. Continue. 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 So then the community basically came up with all the the philosophical things about how we know D&D now. Right, yeah. Was traded back in these fan magazines that were just mailing lists. Yeah. And this book kind of breaks down that shift of how we got from that Mm -hmm. to role-playing as we know it now. Wow, that's crazy. So the reason I say that that's really ironic Mm -hmm. is from my history of working with Games Workshop, I know that they started out primarily as a magazine called White Dwarf, Mm -hmm. which was an adaptation for Dungeons & Dragons. So they didn't do models at all. They actually had some third parties that would make historicals right. and stuff like that. And then eventually they came out with their own game, which was tabletop miniatures war game, uh, which was the book. Bo- the book I or the book I just mentioned. They actually referenced the early issues of White yeah. Dwarf and essays that were written in that. Oh I my fa- gosh! I found out uh, Bowling Green University in Ohio yeah. Yeah, yeah. has a massive uh, pop culture wing of their li- or pop culture collection in yeah. their library. Hmm that has 
a good collection of these old fanzines and stuff. Oh, it's, that's cool. I know. It's uh, the man. That sounds like a road trip. I know. <laughs> I've mentioned this to one of my other co-hosts. That's oh, yeah. like, oh, we need to go down there and talk to these people. Yeah, no kidding. Because that's listed as a source for this book as one of the places huh. the author went to get these um because the fanzines only lit, live on it was pre-internet that's oh, yeah. 1970 to like 1980 uh-huh. so these were things that people were typing on typewriters yeah. copying and then mailing, mailing out oh that's nuts yeah so it, it's a it's this lost piece of the mm-hmm. the history of gaming yeah. that now people are trying to preserve mm-hmm. yeah so literally that was word of mouth yeah mm-hmm. um and then the shift happens that from the published fanzines, you go to the officially licensed magazines of Dragon, White Dwarf, and then there was a Chaosium ran one. I'm, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. And so you had these essay talks that people would do in the fanzines now moving to magazines that doubled or quadrupled the readership. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's... God, I'm, I'm like super nutty about hit, uh, wargaming history now. So I'm trying to track down all these old wargaming books. I'm trying to find an old copy of the Kriegspiel rules so that if we ever, de- if me and my friends or you ever decide we want to do it, we can actually try playing it. Yeah, that would be super cool. Oh, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's going to do it for this very first best of issue of Old Nerds Drinking or the rants you missed from the edit suite i'm john patrick the master control program and i am saying end of line over did you say over nothing is over until we decide it is was it over when the germans bombed pearl harbor hell no german forget it he's rolling it ain't over now so, what's the plan? Take car, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up, lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going streaking! Yeah! All right, come on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please.